You're listening to the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Alright, let's get to a welcome to another edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. CJ Palmasano here and your host. And we got a lot to talk about from last week's SmackDown all the way to AEW. It's gonna be jam-packed. We're gonna try and get everything as much as we possibly, possibly can. But uh, thank you so much for joining us for another edition. Um there I don't really get to talk about uh, SmackDown too often on this show. I really don't talk about it that often because to me there aren't a lot of great things that happen on SmackDown but when there are I definitely definitely gotta give it a props and for one the big thing that came out of SmackDown was The Fiend attacking Alexa Bliss I loved this I loved it so much and it, it, it adds a nice layer to the Braun Strowman Bray Wyatt feud and we saw Alexa Bliss show up in the swamp fight at Extreme Rules and makes you think, you know, Sister Abigail is Alexa Bliss. It, it adds a nice layer to the story. It makes the rivalry now even more personal between Braun Strowman and The Fiend. Now, I don't think Braun Strowman was around for this episode of SmackDown, but it just it looked we hadn't seen the we haven't seen The Fiend in a while, so it just it looked cool. It looked Looked re- really, you know, no horrifying, scary. Like Alexa Bliss's acting was on po- was on point. She legit was frightened, so frightened she couldn't move. Um, and I, if somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we've seen the Fiend since WrestleMania. I don't. I don't think we've seen the Fiend since WrestleMania, and that goes to show how important the character of the Fiend is, and how Im- and how special that character is. I I think now it's. WWE been able they have these different sides of Bray Wyatt that they can use where they don't necessarily have to make the fiend lose. And honestly the fiend shouldn't have lost at this point. It's been a year long build. Maybe now he he could lose something. I don't know. But they can use things like, you know, Firefly Funhouse, Bray Wyatt, Mr. Rogers, Bray Wyatt, whatever. Uh you know, they have cult leader, Swamp Bayou, Bray Wyatt back now. Kind of like a split personality thing, and it's very reminiscent of McFoley in certain ways. But this is how they can kind of get away with Wyatt losing with those other two personas, and still making the Fiend look really strong. Um, g- gotta say, I'm, I'm, it's, it's making me excited for the Fiend and, and Braun Strowman at SummerSlam. I'm really, really excited to see that match and see how Alexa Bliss plays into this storyline. She's very much involved with Nikki Cross as a tag team. As you know, best friends on screen and off screen as well. Um, so I have to wait and see. I don't know if it's going to play into maybe Alexa Bliss finally becoming Sister Abigail. I don't know, but it. it but the end of the SmackDown definitely left me wanting more. Um, a few of the things that happened on SmackDown is that AJ Styles and Grand Mental League had a really, really, really good match. Uh, apparently, the reason for that is Daniel Bryan apparently being reported by the Wrestling Observer, I believe that he is semi-booking SmackDown, and that's really cool. 
Uh, I, I think it happened back in February when Brian was saying how he wanted to work with guys like Drew Gulak, and he's pulling for guys like Drew Gulak and Grand Metalik and the Lucha House Party and uh, Chad Gable, Shorty G, whatever, uh, being put into the limelight, in the spotlight, rather. And apparently, and this is crazy, but it's 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 a Vince McMahon story, but apparently Vince is open to more out-of-the-box ideas, including changing Shorty G's name back to Chad Gable. Yeah, the out-of-the-box idea is changing one of the best pure pro wrestlers you have in your entire roster from this shitty name you gave him back to his actual, back to the name you, you had before. I mean, whatever it takes to get the Shorty G name out of there, cool. But, I don't know. But speaking of Chad Gable, he has turned heel. He's aligned himself with Baron Corbin. And you know what? I'm actually into it. I'm actually into it. If Baron Corbin could actually get some kind of some kind of faction around him, a solid faction, by the way, not just just the random heels that are on Raw or SmackDown like he has in the past, an actual faction, you know, King's Court, whatever you want to call it, an actual faction, and do something with it. Having Shorty G, Chad Gable into this, you know, maybe you can add the Lucha House, guys like the Lucha House Party in there, or, you know, add it. Who knows? The there are many possibilities that you can what you can do for this, and I'm just glad that that Gable actually looks good for once, and he looked friggin' incredible the way he suplexed Matt Riddle. Makes you want to see Matt Riddle versus versus Chad Gable right away. Another thing that happened on SmackDown is I have in my notes here is that Sonya Deville fucked up Mandy Rose. Uh, Mandy was getting makeup put on. You see Sonya in the background, and she just starts beating the shit out of Mandy Rose. She's rubbing, she's taking lipstick and smearing it all over so, uh, Mandy's face. She's beating the shit out of her, pulls her back, and starts cutting her hair. I've always really liked Sonya Deville, and I don't get to talk about her too much on this podcast, but I, but she's really been on her A game for a very long time. I've talked about saying that Sonya, I think, can be be like she could be one of those top women in your company. You know, if you if you give them a chance, she can be a top heel. I can see her uh, have matches with the likes of, you know, with Shayna Baszler. Uh, with I love to see her get in the ring with Oscar. You know, uh, Becky Lynch if she ever comes back. Charlotte. You know, she's one of those wrestlers who has that MMA background, but. I love that they're kind of just letting her go out there, be this character, and she's doing really, really well with it. And it makes me interested more to see this feud between her and Mandy. And I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, I guess uh, moving on, I know that Big E now has a singles run. He's going to be having a singles run. So... What we saw this past Friday was the Miz and Biggie got into a match, and Miz made Biggie—I'm sorry—Biggie made Miz tap out. 
So that's something I didn't necessarily get to see too much of, but I want to give my th- I want to give my thoughts on Biggie and a potential singles run. So I think it's no secret that for years and years and years and years, people have been fantasy booking and theorizing when are the New Day going to break up? When are the New Day going to split? And who knows when that was going to happen? The New Day as of right now, well, yeah, the New Day are the longest tenured faction tag team in WWE history, meaning they're the longest team to never break up. And that's astounding for a group to be doing their thing for that long and not get stale or boring. So Woods is going to be out still for a while. Kofi apparently is going to be out for about a month. And now Biggie's on a singles run. A lot of people are speculating, is, is this the, finally the time where Biggie's going to turn heel? Is this finally the time where the New Day are done? And to be honest with you, I don't know. I really don't know if they're going to pull the trigger and be done with the New Day. Um, because I feel like right now could be a good time to do it. I think right now could be a good time to pull the trigger and have Big E have a run at the top. I mean, I think it's at this point where it's believable now. I think it's even believable a while ago, but especially after Kofi winning the title last year, it's believable that you could have a triple threat match for either the Universal or the WWE Championship with all three members of the New Day in that match. Maybe four years ago it couldn't be possible, but right now, I think it could be. Well, not exactly right now because Xavier Woods is still injured, but when Xavier Woods comes back and when Kofi is coming back, I think it's a perfect time to try and get some kind of feud with them. Because you can't settle for a mid-card title, honestly. You can't settle for the IC title. It's got to be the Universal Championship if they're still going to be on SmackDown. It's got to be for the top title on the show. And I could definitely see Big E going on a long tear as a heel Universal Champion. That's pretty much all I'm going to say about SmackDown at the moment. But uh, Raw has um, it's improved in the ratings a bit. Uh, is that because of Shane McMahon? Is Shane McMahon a draw? I mean, not for me, he wasn't. But anyway, Raw started a new concept uh, called Raw Underground, which, if you didn't see, it's pretty much Fight Club. It's pretty much Fight Club. I mean, I think Vince McMahon just recently saw Fight Club. He's like, I want to do that, damn it. Um, there were positives and negatives from this. I think the positive is that they're trying something new, even though the ratings are really, really down, and they're trying something new because they're desperate. But granted, they're trying something new. Um, different guys who were in there looked really, really strong. Uh, I really cannot for the life of me remember the other guy's name. This big, big, d- jacked-up dude with the dreadlocks. Beating the shit out of everybody in the first the the first time when it was uh, announced. 
I know that the second one was Eric of the Viking Raiders, and he he looked like a total badass. He hasn't looked this good since war. They were War Raiders in NXT. Dolph Ziggler came in there and made a uh, you know made a guy tap out to a sleeper hold. Um, the criticism I have with this is kind of the music. I'm not crazy with the music in the background, but. And I'm not crazy about Shane being the one who is hosting it and his commentary over the mic. Um, But I will say Raw Underground solidified and they made sure that you think the Hurt Business is a group of guys not to fuck with. MVP, Bobby Lashley, Shelton Benjamin. I loved how these guys looked. These guys, you can argue, over the years have been underutilized in the WWE. MVP in his first time around wasn't necessarily supposed to come in. He was supposed to come in a few few matches here and there, and then you're supposed to be done. And his role was supposed to be a producer. But then he kind of kept having more and more and more and more and more wrestling matches. So he's like, okay, I guess I'm back to being a wrestler. But I love what he's been doing lately as as Bobby Lashley's mouthpiece. Bobby Lashley is the best he's ever looked now. Shelton Benjamin, it was a complete waste when they brought him back however many years ago, and they've wasted him. Now he's a total badass. All three of these guys are total badasses. And it's good to have factions on Raw and SmackDown. It just is. Like, just putting faith in a group of guys and just being like, yeah, we're going to roll with you. We're going to give you the ball. And just make them look dominant. And that's what I think probably the main premise of Raw Underground was, at least for this week. If they can use that to establish guys like they did for the Hurt Business, if they can establish that every week and just make someone look really tough, I would love that. I would also love it if Shayna Baszler went into the, went into Raw Underground. I think that would be great. Even better, I think Shayna Baszler should join the Hurt Business. You have three guys right there. You can have two of them go for the tag titles, one of them go for a mid-card title or the world uh, mid-card title or the world title, and then you have Shayna Baszler right there. The the submission magician, the queen of spades be in that group. Now my some of you may argue like, "Oh, Shayna Baszler's grand on her own." And she is grand on her own. But I think she would fit really well into the Hurt Business if the Hurt Business was going to put a woman into the group. If they want to keep the whole I can't speak tonight. Ethnicity part into it. You could throw Bianca Belair if you want. You could. She would fit in well too. Not because of the color of her skin but just because of her character. But we haven't seen Bianca Belair in a little while. That's why I think Shayna Baszler would fit better in the Hurt Business. 
uh, if they were to add her in there, that is. But I absolutely, I regardless of my um, the criticisms I have of of Raw Underground, it did serve a purpose. It delivered on some things, and it really delivered on establishing the hurt business and just how tough they. Well, just to show how dominant they are, and they really put them over strong. I really, really enjoyed that. Um, another thing that was uh that happened on Raw was apparently there is a new faction brewing in the WWE. First of all. I hated how they announced this. They announced this on their Twitter page, and then WWE on Fox on Twitter announced, well, asked, oh, who do you think is going to be in the faction? I was praying to God that it was not Undisputed Era. I was praying to God because I'm like, please don't let it be Era. Please don't let it be Era. Please don't let it be Era, which, thank God, it wasn't, and it isn't, and we'll get into the Undisputed Era a little later on. But from what I see, they showed five people uh, setting fire to... I don't know what it was. They, they got a Brompton cocktail. I think it's, you know, when you, like... You, you put a rag, you light up the rag, and then alcohol explodes shit. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway. There are apparently five people in that group. And... I'm not sure who they are. I really can't tell you. I think there's a woman's voice in there. There's four other guys. One bigger, uh, bigger, bigger dude, Haas type guy. I'm not sure what this faction could be. But so far, I'm not liking how it's being brought up. Their name apparently is called Retribution. I'm not crazy about how they're being brought up. I'm not crazy about their whole presence. And their thing is that they want to cause chaos. The best way to have done this is just have them come in and just beat up people. This just makes them look like a bunch of teenagers looking for attention. You know? That they're like, oh yeah, we're causing chaos and mission. Like I would have had them just, you know, I guess Nexus style, just have them come beat the shit out of everybody. Trash the set. Trash the performance center. Beat people up. I don't know. This this just looks like they were just... I don't... It didn't seem really uh, convincing to me. Whatever it is, I, I'm, I'm worried for these people who are in this faction. I just hope whoever is in this faction, I'm just not huge fans of. Because if I am, then... And if the group doesn't go well, it's, it's really going to hurt them. But we'll have to see. The next thing, and I guess I'll finish with this on Raw, was Drew McIntyre's promo. God damn it, I love Drew McIntyre so much. I say it all the time. I love Drew McIntyre. And I'm really, really excited for his match against Randy Orton at SummerSlam. Really excited. I loved how he was saying that... He said he said he said to Randy Orton that in the last ride documentary, Undertaker came down to Randy's level and bestowed on him some advice. And the Undertaker didn't have to do that. And he says, Randy, you're right. The Undertaker did not have to do that. 
But how many times has Randy Orton come down to someone else's level and bestowed some of that advice that and wisdom that people have given to you over the years? How many times has Randy Orton gone to a Kevin Owens, an Apollo Crews, an Aleister Black and bestowed some wisdom that the likes of The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, and Ric Flair have given you over the years? All that knowledge you have. And he was saying how before he got fired, he said, I wasn't going to the best professionally, personally in my life. Maybe just one word of confidence or some advice from a Randy Orton could have changed all that. And I have to say it was one of my favorite prom. Uh, maybe other than maybe the segment he had with uh, with Seth, one of my, it's it's one of my favorite promo segments he's had, and just segments in general, like along with him Claymore kicking Brock three three times in the Barclays Center earlier this year. I mean, it is such a damn shame. This he's the champion right now for the top, for for the circumstances. It's not a shame that he's champion because he absolutely deserves it. It's just a shame of the circumstances. Cuz I I I truly truly believe that people would be tuning in more for, if it wasn't because of the circumstances. The ratings are horrible, don't get me wrong, and the ratings have been bad for a long time and the pandemic has to do with that. But I will say this real briefly. Um AEW this week got 909,000 909,000 views on Dynamite this week. And they weren't that far off from Raw. I mean, I think Raw had like 1.7 5 million? I'm not exactly sure, but this is the highest rated Dynamite since the pre-pandemic. And that goes to show you that you can have shows that are really good. Wrestling shows, even in this pandemic we're going through right now, and still have people invested. I mean... I appreciate that they are trying to do something, that they are trying to come up with new concepts and they're trying to, you know, with like Raw Underground and Drew's promo. But I think the thing is, is like, it's it's simple and said, said so many times, just let people be them. Let wrestlers be wrestlers and let them be creative. I mean, Maria Kanellis recently spoke out saying how WWE doesn't want to build new stars and they don't care about you know, they don't care about what the fans think. They just want to please the investors, uh, investors, and and so they can spike ratings for a bit to keep them happy. Where the reason why ratings are going so down so much is because lack of consistency, not actually building upon new stars, and actually listening to fans and building a long term story to keep people engaged, and that's why people aren't watching for so long and they've tuned out. And she said how 
it's not a knock on the rest on the writers because there are absolutely so many phenomenal writers backstage in WWE, but she's seen so many times so many great ideas and great storylines and scripts just ripped up, and they just go with the status quo, which makes complete sense with showing what the product's been for the past several years. I will say that I think things would be a lot better if the pandemic wasn't going on. And it's easy to say. Because, and a big reason is because of Drew McIntyre, man. Like, Drew is on his A game right now. He's he's the best he's ever been right now. He's on top of the world. He's the top guy. He's the champion. He's putting on great matches. He's having great promo segments. And I think the crowd would just eat it up. It just It's just a damn shame. Overall, I think they did their best to try and put a different spin on things and try to boost the ratings. I, I just hope that it's not for what Maria Canales is saying and that they just want to they just want to you know keep the investors happy. Yes, you want to keep the investors happy, but what's more important is you want to keep the fans happy. The fans are the reason why you have a show in the first place and why we're tuning in, you know? It's why I, I, I do this podcast because I'm a fan and I, I love pro wrestling. And I just wanted to see it, you know, done well and, and have its, its justice, you know. But anyway, moving on to the next thing as far as pro wrestling goes. NXT, this past Wednesday. If it wasn't confirmed, however long ago it was, maybe a week ago that this whole Pat McAfee, Adam Cole thing was a work. It's certainly a work now because it's confirmed. Adam Cole will be taking on Pat McAfee, former Indianapolis Colts punter, in a wrestling match at NXT TakeOver 30 the weekend of SummerSlam. It's actually happening. And you know what? I actually want to see it. I at first I'm just like, are they really gonna build to a Pat McAfee Adam Cole match? That is so not worth Adam Cole's time. He's so much better than that. He deserves more than that. But how it was played up this past Wednesday, and Pat McAfee just kept he kept berating Adam Cole, calling him small, calling him small, saying that he did, you know, he doesn't. Here, sure, he's good, but he's not—he's not that good. He's not that great, you know. Calling that, you know, he's like the tight and and saying to Kyle Riley, putting on the tiny hold. And Todd Phillips was saying how you know, like you know, Adam Cole's right there. He's like twenty feet away from you. He can hear what he can probably hear what you're saying. And then during the match, Adam Cole goes over to Pat McAfee. He said, "Listen, what are you doing? I thought we squashed this. I thought we were done with this." And Pat's like, "We are done. I'm just telling jokes. I'm just being funny." He's like, "It's not funny. All right, listen to me." I'm not I'm not asking you, I'm telling you, stop doing what you're doing. And it was pissing it's like it's pissing me off. And then Pat McAfee decides to go and quote Elf and say, Oh, he's an angry elf, isn't he? And then Adam Cole loses it. Flips flips the fuck out on Pat McAfee. Like, go ahead, take your shot. Come on, let's go, let's go. While this is happening, it distracts Kyle O'Reilly and, and Bobby Fish. 
and it helps Imperium retain the NXT Tag Team titles. Pat McAfee and Adam Cole about to get into a brawl. They're having the referees and producers back them up, Triple H even. And Pat McAfee still calls, like, no matter how hard you work, whatever he says, you're still going to be a tiny little bitch. And Adam Cole's like, I'll kill you. Get over here. I'll kill you. I'll kill you. And then Pat McAfee punts Adam Cole. And then Triple H starts running after Pat McAfee and shoves Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee is the is the heel of all heels right now. <laughs> I got because I I got worked, man. I mean, I was actually kind of pissed. I'm like this motherfucker. I'm like, oh no, I'm I'm actually invested. I'm actually invested. I'm invested, man. I didn't want to be. I really didn't want to be. But I now I want to see Adam Cole kick Pat McAfee's ass. I want to see it. It's gonna be an interesting match to see. And other than Drew and Randy, it's probably the other match I'm really looking forward to that weekend. So yeah, Pat McAfee versus Adam Cole is happening SummerSlam weekend at uh, TakeOver 30. Um, I know Pat McAfee wants to be a wrestler, and uh, I, I think it's a really good choice to have a guy like Adam Cole, who I think has probably been arguably the best wrestler on that brand for the past, you know, however many years, um, you know, carrying the brand and being the guy. So um, I'm I'm all, I'm all for it. I, I I was against it at first, but I'm like, you know what? I think they're doing this really well. They built it really well, and I'm I'm all for it. One person, however, who will not be appearing at NXT Takeover 30 is Dexter Loomis. Apparently, Dexter Loomis has uh, suffered an ankle injury, and William Regal had confirmed he will be missing out on the match. I don't know if he was going to be if this is kayfabe or not. I'm pretty sure it's real though. Because I had pretty, I was pegged like, you know, Dexter Loomis might win the whole thing. I could I could have seen them putting the title on Loomis. But unfortunately, he is out. Uh, Damian Priest will be a part of that ladder match. And Dakota Kai will be facing Io Shirai for the NXT Women's Championship at TakeOver. I gotta say, I'm, I'm, I'm actually really happy about that. I know I said previously that I'd rather see Rhea Ripley versus Io Shirai, but I'm actually really happy we're getting Dakota Kai. Because... We've seen Rhea Ripley in the title picture. I'm glad they're giving Dakota Kai a chance because I I don't know. As far as I can remember, I don't think she's had... She's probably had title matches, but I don't think she's ever had a takeover title match. So I'm really happy for Dakota Kai. Um, they could put the belt on her. I don't I don't know if they will, but they, they very much might and then continue the feud between her and Tegan Knox because I think there's very much unfinished business there. And that's very much like a female version of Gargano and Champa right there, Tegan and 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 uh, Dakota. And I would actually love to see that. But I'm really excited for Tegan Knox versus uh, Io Shirai. It should be a stellar match, a really really great match. And I would just I'd be all for it if they put the title on on Dakota Kai, you know? Have her be the, the, the champa of the women's division, I guess. Even though she has Raquel Gonzalez as a heater and champa didn't need a heater. Um, it seems inevitable, but speaking of looking at the NXT championship picture, that it, we will be getting uh, Keith Lee versus Cam- uh, Cameron Grimes. Karrion uh, Cross. Um, I would think... I still think Karrion Cross is probably going to take the title from Keith Lee. I don't know. Pretty sure... I mean, if you want to go all in with the guy, really go all in with him right now and keep that feud going with him and Keith Lee. Um, 
I mean, TakeOver 30 is shaping up to be a pretty good card. I think so far we have Bronson Reed and Damian Priest in that uh, ladder match. I know apparently there's going to be uh, second chances matches. Um, I think I would probably we're probably going to see Finn Balor in there. We're probably going to see Johnny Gargano in there. I'm not sure if we'll see Roderick Strong. Timothy Thatcher is probably another guy who we're probably going to see in there. Uh, if I had to put my money on somebody, I, w- I would probably think they might put on Balor. Probably. I, and Balor's not in the match yet, but he I think they're probably going to put him in the match and put the title on Balor. Because I think they really need to capitalize on him. And they, I, I think they've done a decent job of rebuilding Balor, but I think they kind of dropped the ball when he came back. He had a really, like, him and Gargano had a stellar match earlier this year. But I think they really need to do more with Finn. And I hope that they put the title on him. If not, I mean, I don't know who they're going to put. But that's the thing. The ladder matches, they've proved in the past that they can work. I mean, the first championship match for this title was in a ladder match. So I'm excited. I really am. Uh, just this, it, it's crazy because I'm glad that takeovers can still feel like takeovers even with the pandemic going on, you know? Like, WWE pay-per-views, like main roster pay-per-views, you know, yeah, they happen, but they don't feel important. Takeovers still feel important to me. They still feel important to me, even though, you know, it's not in front of a an actual crowd. So, I'm really happy about that. I have to say, we're probably going to be getting, like I said, we're probably getting Keith Lee versus Karrion Cross, Officially ranked Pat McAfee versus Adam Cole. Uh, Dakota Kai versus Io Shirai. The latter match to determine the new North American champion. Bronson Reed, Damian Priest, I believe, are and formally, uh, not anymore, but Dexter Loomis. And we're just going to have to wait and see what the rest of the participants are going to be. Um, I don't know where the tag titles are going to fit because, again, really the tag, the tag division is Imperium and Undisputed Era, O'Reilly and Fish. Um, I think the tag division has kind of suffered NXT for a, for a while now. And I think that's kind of a reason why they got Imperium to be the tag champs over here. Um, a safe bet will probably be we're probably going to see Era again face off for the tag titles. We'll have to wait and see. Because they were putting on a really good match, O'Reilly and Strong. Against, uh, I'm sorry, O'Reilly and Fish against, uh, against Imperium. So I would like to see uh, them, go, them go at it one more time. Uh, to finish things up, it's kind of a short podcast tonight, but to finish things up, we're going to be going over what happened on AEW and everything leading up to uh, All Out that's going to be happening pretty soon. So the show opened up with Dark Order versus the Elite and FTR, and I got to say, stellar, stellar match. The right team won. And looking at Brody Lee going after going at it with with Hangman Page and Kenny Omega, I really want to see a Brody Lee uh, Hangman Page match. I really, really want to see that now. I really want to see that match. Uh, I mean, the way Hangman sold that discus clothesline, holy shit! God damn! I, I want to see them have a match on Dynamite next week. They're not going to because I think it's Omega and Page against. Uh, I think it's Uno and Grayson again. But goddamn, I want to see Hangman Page versus Brody Lee. Let them feud for a long, long time. And I want to see Brody Lee versus Kenny Omega. 
I'm glad the Dark Order is start, starting to finally feel like an established group. They feel like a real faction. You know, at first we didn't really get what their whole thing was. You know, oh, the Exalted One is coming. The Exalted One is near. We weren't sure if the Exalted One was ever even really real. But then Brody Lee shows up. It's like, goddamn, feels so, like something new. So I'm really excited. I don't want to see more Brody Lee, man. Been really, really digging what he's been doing the past few weeks. Uh, Matt Cardona, formerly Zack Ryder, makes his AEW deb- in-ring debut with Cody, taking on uh, two more members of the Dark Order, John Silver and Alex Reynolds, I believe. Um, we, This is a fun little tag match. Again, Cardona got the win. His, his finisher is now called Radio Silent instead of the Rough Rider. Um, I really like the name of that finisher because... You know, his former, you know, his song, Oh, radio, tell me everywhere you go. I probably got the words wrong. But radio silent, kind of showing the Zack Ryder character is dead. Broski's dead. And he is moving on to a new chapter in his life, a new chapter in his career. And I was kind of half expecting Cardona to turn on Cody and start feuding for the TNT title. That was, however... Until we had Scorpio Sky come up to Cody Rhodes. Look at the championship. Look at Cody. Flick the championship, then walk away. And next week we will be we will be getting Cody Rhodes versus Scorpio Sky for the TNT championship. Now, if you did not see on AEW Dark, I didn't see it on AEW Dark because I really don't watch AEW Dark, but I caught it on Twitter. Scorpio Sky cut a promo saying that, you know, people have been saying that he's the king of AEW Dark. And this might as well be my throne. He's got a chair in the ring with him. He's like, but if you people, but if people honestly think that this is my ceiling, you're underestimating me. I'm tired of being overlooked. I'm tired of taking a back seat. I am going to take what I damn deserve. And right after that promo, he walks right up to like the very next day that they aired there is Cody he's looking at the title and he's getting a, and he's getting a TNT title match next week which I'm really happy for I like Scorpio's guy a lot we haven't really seen too much of SCU anywhere they haven't been doing too much but I'm really 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 excited for that match next week um I don't think Scorpio's guy will win but I think this is the start of a new Maybe a new uh, character change for Scorpio Sky. Because maybe this separates him from SCU. Maybe this is what kind of breaks Scorpio Sky into the whole uh, singles singles, uh, competition. Who knows? But I'm really excited and I really, really uh, can't wait for that match next week. Also, we had the... Super Wednesday debate held by Eric Bischoff. It's said that by Tony Tony uh, Schiavone that it's the first time Eric Bischoff has appeared on TNT in over 20 years. God damn, has it been that long? And he was hosting this for Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy. Uh, I gotta say, I was thoroughly entertained by this. I wasn't sure how this was gonna go, but I really, really enjoyed it. You know, the whole thing was designed by Jericho just so he could get one up on Cassidy so he could 
embarrass him because Cassidy doesn't talk. He doesn't do anything. I thought it was funny where he's like, nice of you to dress up to the occasion, Cassidy. And he pulls out of his jacket a little clip-on tie. He's like, doesn't give a fuck. I love Orange Cassidy. Um, You know, one of the questions that Eric Bischoff asked about global warming and all that, and then Cassidy comes in out of nowhere. It's the first thing he said the entire debate, and everybody is shocked. I was, too. It was very funny. Eric Bischoff's like, all right, point to Mr. Cassidy. Uh, Jericho's livid. Um, But I really like the end of this segment where Orange Cassidy said, Jericho, shut up. I see what you're doing, Chris. I see what you're doing. You're setting a... You're setting up a debate for a guy who doesn't talk. Try and get one up on me. Maybe look stupid. Well, the next next week, this match is the biggest match of my life. And it's the biggest match of your life. Because what are you going to do when Chris Jericho loses to the guy who put his who puts his hands in his pocket? And Jericho had said, like, you know, you're right. I think uh, I think it was Bish. Actually, it was Bischoff who goes like, all right, winner of the debate. Orange Cassidy's like, Jericho's like, that's not how debates work. That's not how debates work. He's like, he's like, hey, that global warming thing really got me. It's like, he's like, you're st- stupid Bischoff. I never liked you. And I, I've always felt the same about you for the past 20, 22 years. It's been 24 years and the feeling's mutual. <laughs> So Jericho then goes like, you know what, Cassidy? I can't wait for next week either. I'm going to beat the shit out of you. You know what? I'm going to beat the shit out of you right now. Get him, Jake. Jake Hager was Jake Hager was there in a suit as well. And he gets Cassidy in the corner, beats the shit out of him, knocks him out. Cassidy's selling some point. Like Hager forces the, his hands and uh, H- uh, Hager forces Cassidy's hands in his pockets throws him over the Jericho and Jericho and says him the Judas effect and he just looks dazed. The best friends come out and they try to help him out. But the damage has already been done. I gotta say I'm really excited for this match more than I was probably for their last match. I'm really glad that I think I've said it before that I'm really glad that Jer- uh, Jericho wants to work with a guy like Orange Cassidy. Uh, there probably were plans prior you know, and the way AEW books things are probably way down the line. They probably figure, yeah, you want Jericho and Cassidy to work with each other. And Jericho probably wanted that too. But unfortunately with the crowd, we're not sure, you know, it, and Orange Cassidy is a character who very much does kind of feed on the crowd. But I think they've done the best with what they can with a, a bad situation. So next week, I'm really looking forward to what's going to happen with Cassidy and Jericho. And, I think their match could be better than the first. Um, the other thing that happened on Dynamite is that MJF was saying how he's leading in the polls against John Moxley. I like how he's treating this whole thing like a you know like a political campaign, and I thought it was really funny. Uh, saying how he much rather face Darby Allen, and he tried to get involved in the match and help Darby win. Uh, obviously that didn't happen. John Moxley retained, so it's going to be John Moxley versus MJF at All Out. 
Moxley and, and Darby Allen put on a, a really, really great match. Uh, I could watch those guys work all the time. Um, a lot of people are speculating that MJF could be the one to take the title off of John Moxley. And to be honest, I don't think it's his time. I don't think it's time for MJF to win the title. I think that yes, he can obviously be he could probably be the first of that homegrown talent that they could put the title on, but I just don't see it happening. I don't really see it happening with them taking the title of John Moxley. I feel I I still truly feel that a heel Kenny Omega is going to take the title of a John Moxley cuz one thing I failed to mention earlier is that Omega again showed signs, slow slow signs of heel, of being a heel. He was kicking Stu Grayson after the match was over after they lost. Just I I I think the the match is going to be good between MJF and, and John Moxley. I think it'll be good. But I don't think it's Moxley's time yet. I, I'm sorry. I don't think it's MJF's time yet. I don't think MJF is going to win the AEW championship. I think again, down the line, I think MJF is probably going to be he will he will for sure be AEW champion. He will for sure hold that championship. Is it going to be you know come all out? I don't think so. I don't think it's going to be come all out. I I think probably wait a little while and may what what I would do is probably wait a little while, make sure, you know, wait until like maybe we can start getting crowds again. Really get some heat on MJF and have him beat a really top babyface for the championship, you know whether that be a Hangman Page or or, or you know uh, Cody, you know if Cody was the champion at one point, if Cody was still a babyface, you know. Um, but I understand you do have to pull the trigger on one of these guys, and you can't just put the title on guys like Moxley and Jericho and Omega and Cody forever. So you do have to pull the trigger. Do I think it's time yet? No, but I ease. I, I I very well could be wrong. I very well could be wrong about this, and whether they want to do it or not, I don't know. Uh, but I think right now, it's not the time, not just yet. But again, you have to look at the other the landscape of the rest of of the company right now, and who else could easily step in the position of MJF. And challenge John Moxley for the championship, and you could do Brody Lee again. You could. You could do Hangman Page, I think, because I think the tag titles are coming off of Omega and Page soon. I don't know how soon, but soon they'll be coming off of Omega and Page. Um, you could have, you know, maybe, maybe Chris Jericho again at some point. Uh. You could do Christopher Daniels. Uh, these are just names that are coming off the top of my head. Uh, you know, if Sean Spears was treated, you know, a little better, maybe. Um, maybe I'm convincing myself NJF will win the title. I don't know. <laughs> but overall, I don't think it's the time yet. Um, do I want to see just one match out of Moxley and... And MJF, um, no, I want to see a few. I want to see a few of them go, uh, a few matches of them and have them go at it. 
But for now, I uh, I don't think my MJF's going to win the championship. My opinion could change come time. We do predictions for All Out. We're just going to have to wait and see. Uh, I guess for now, for now, I guess that'll do it for this edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Thank you so much, guys, for joining us once again. Or if it's your first, if it's your first time listening, thank you for joining uh, for the first time. Uh, you can find us on all podcast formats, just about anywhere you can think of: Spotify, Pa, Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Podbean. Just about everywhere you can find your podcast. You go on the, you go on your Google machine, look up the Not Another Wrestling Podcast on Anchor.fm. It'll show you the entire list of where you can find us on our podcast formats. We are also on TNAWP on Twitter. The Not Another Wrestling Podcast on Instagram and the Not Another Wrestling Podcast on Facebook. Thank you guys so much for listening. I've been CJ, and we'll see you next time.